0: Hey folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's
1: Front Row Knowles.
0: Good day, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles, a newly revamped Front Row Knowles. Now, some of you may be very excited about this, but uh, others will be deeply disappointed. Either way, Bob Ferrante is sitting in for KJ today. Keith, uh, maybe he wanted to, but uh, he answered the questions either correctly or incorrectly, and he apparently got seated on jury duty this week. So, uh, Bob, I appreciate you, especially last minute. Pinch And how are you, sir?
2: Doing well, doing well. Trying to trying to jump in here and and, and help out. I, you know, KJ, like you said, he either answered the questions wrong, but at least he's doing his civic duty and and helping us out uh, as a county this week.
0: Yeah, and I'd look forward to picking his brain, but he's going to be sworn to secrecy on that, so we can't make that a, a, a section or a segment on the on an upcoming show. But anyway, Keith will be back, uh, Bob. I do sincerely appreciate you uh, pinch hitting Bob from the Osceola, and uh, you know it's mid May. So we're getting to the point where we start figuring out how many days it is to football season, and the answer is too many. But that said, there has been a lot of football news considering we're out of spring practice from the Mike Norvell camps to some news in the transfer portal to some news on the recruiting front. And maybe it's just the nature of it now. Football drives everything. So it's a 24-7, 365 news cycle for it. But the news has been pretty good for FSU lately.
2: I think the big news is, is you're getting some transfers with experience. You know, Dylan Gibbons from Notre Dame is a guy who didn't really start a whole lot, but, but Patrick Burnham has kind of analyzed his game film over the weekend in anticipation that here's a Clearwater native who may follow a lot of you know, Florida-born high school prospects and coming back to Florida State to finish out their college career. And, and Patrick was pretty impressed. He said this is a guy who can definitely be a guard, potentially a right tackle. Um, so, so Gibbons, you know, do you slot him in as a starter right now in your mind? Maybe, maybe not, but I think what Norvell and Atkins have been trying to do as coaches is find seven or eight guys, just seven or eight guys. You can trust that have experience that can go out and do the job and they're still working toward those seven and eight. We, we think Gibbons is one of those and an Andrew Parchment, you know, a, a guy we've talked about since I think new year's Eve was when he actually announced. He was coming to Florida State, but he needed to finish up at Kansas academically. He's done so, Florida State has announced him. Um, Parchment's film is is a little bit limited in terms of what he can do with the route tree, but Parchment is that kind of game-breaker, home-run threat, to use the Mike Norvell quote from the other day. He is a guy who can stretch the field, and we know wide receiver is a position where you've got to have some experience and some playmaking ability based on Just it wasn't there last year. So those are two big, big upgrades for Florida State.
0: Well, let's continue on the parchment theme for a minute. Last year, his numbers were not great because there were quarterback issues at Kansas. But two years ago, he had 65 catches for 831 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, those numbers, you know, put him in the top six or eight, probably in the Big 12. But if you think about 65 catches in a season last year, FSU's receivers, because I looked at it, they only had 85 catches as a unit maybe 92 if you count Jakai Douglas there as a receiver but the point is uh, that's a nice addition and, and might he I want to be fair I haven't watched a lot of tape on him. Is he potentially a more polished or more consistent home run threat than what Florida State had in Terry the last couple of years?
2: I think that's exactly it I mean he's I think he might be a, a better version of Terry maybe more consistent hands. And, and this is what you had to do. You really had to upgrade the wide receiver room, especially guys with experience. You know, we know they've got younger guys who are going to be part of the future of this program, right? We see there's a Malik McLean, there's a Joshua Burrell, uh, you know, Brian Robinson, um, Kentron. There are guys coming through the program but don't have a lot of college experience yet. If, if Parchment can be that guy who's that kind of one-year step in, type he should be a starter potentially if he can jump in over the summer it's going to be really huge for him to to jump in immediately work with Mackenzie Milton Jordan Travis all the receivers try and get this playbook down as best he can in in these summer workouts because those are the guys who are going to be kind of grinding him and making him better because he's got to be up to speed once once camp opens in early August he's got to be ready to go so that they can throw him in and and maybe he won't be able to be thrown in for everything they may have to kind of you know spoon feed is potentially the wrong term here with a veteran but you have to limit how much you kind of throw at him in terms of the playbook but I I think he's a guy that you definitely need to have as far as just stretching the field bringing experience to that position
0: yeah no question and I know because Mike Norvell's talked about it he's up to nine transfers now and seems a little ambiguous as to how many more they might be able to bring in. But now there's thought that they might be able to get one more in. But this isn't the way that they want to live in the portal, bringing up this, this many guys. So, A, they deserve credit for who they've gotten. But, but sort of what lies underneath that, it, it really speaks to, to the deficiencies on the roster. That I think even, even though it's been reported and we talk about it, I think sometimes we're so used to Florida State being so good that we don't really come to terms with it. But when you're when you're still out in the portal and it's May and you're searching to plug holes, that really does speak to – and there's been a lot of turnover, but it speaks to the deficiencies there.
2: And I think Norvell knew what he had to do short-term. I, I think you, you said it right. The long-term view is, you know, recruit incredibly well inside the state of Florida and Georgia. Once you can actually get out there, and, and the NCAA dead period is over June 1, I mean, we've seen all these camps are set up. They're going to have a mega camp with 50 plus schools on June 6th. They're going to welcome hundreds of, of good prospects at Florida state, but short-term when you're looking at just 2021, they've had to be, I think very creative in how they recruit, be creative in how you seek guys through transfer portal. I think the pitch is obvious. When you look at all these Florida guys, you've got uh, Andrew Parchments from South Florida, DJ Williams from the Sebring area, Sebring area, Kira Thomas from Miami. Uh, Brandon Moore, Jarquez McClellan, all Florida guys. I think the pitch is very clear. Come back home to Florida, play out your career at Florida State, and let your mom, dad, family be able to see you. A lot of these guys have said historically, hey, it's it's hard for you know mom, dad, family to go to whatever SEC school I was at. Now it's a much easier trip to Tallahassee, even though we say sometimes Tallahassee is hard to get to. Well, compared to, say, Fayetteville, Arkansas – it's a lot easier to get to Tallahassee if you're coming from other points around the state. So the, the pitch has been very smart. And I think it's a good game plan from Norvell and the staff to, to kind of seek specific guys, guys with experience, but guys who are from Florida too and want to play at Florida state.
0: Not to re litigate the rumors from 10 years ago, when there was talk that FSU was going to the big 12. But one of the things I could never wrap my head around was if you're going to recruit kids from Florida, how are their families going to get to Ames, Iowa to watch them play? I mean, if half your games are there, so it didn't, it didn't make a ton of sense to me, but anyway, uh, making dollars is why that was part of the discussion. And we can get to that later on because Florida state and the ACC still need to figure out a way to do that. Let me go back to, to Dylan Gibbons from Notre Dame. I saw what Pat wrote in the Osceola. We're talking with Bob Franti, by the way, we gave Keith a hall pass this week since he's got uh, jury duty. Uh you know, Pat's comments were that uh, he's, he's a potential starter, certainly in the, in the top seven or eight. And as to whether he's a guard or tackle, you know, they'll figure that out in the fall. We saw last year with, with Devontae Love-Taylor that they played him in both spots. So maybe you swing him around, you just get the best five out there, even if it's not the way you would draw up those five, if you could go recruit whoever you wanted to.
2: Yeah, if he is similar to Devontae Love-Taylor in that versatility, where he can play some guard, some center, some, some right tackle, you know, not viewing him as a left tackle, but if you've got versatility to play four other positions, that's huge. And I think you need the experience. You need another guy who can just kind of be leaned on as a teacher in that group, a, a leader, a mentor type. Um, you know, yeah, we're looking at guys who they might be playing tackle and they shouldn't be playing tackle, but that's a situation all around college football too. everybody. Every offensive line coach is, is kind of scratching their head saying, I can't find a tackle. It, it's hard to find that guy, especially on the left side. So you're really trying to mix and match what you've got, who you feel confident in, where they can play. And, and let's, let's kind of reiterate um, Jordan Wilson, the UCLA transfer at tight end, is coming back off an injury, and he's a guy who will be an exceptional blocker, whether he's you know, lined up off tackle, He could be lined up in the backfield. Uh, He can run and and catch the pass too, but his value is as a blocker. So that makes your offensive line that much better. It's not a knock against Cam McDonald. He's improved dramatically as a blocker, but we just see Jordan Wilson as a guy who can really take on that blocking role. And it it just opens up your offense to what Norvell truly wants to do. And I think a lot of that is, you know, impose what you can do with the running game um, even more than last year.
0: Talking with Bob Frant, our Osceola insider, doing the segment a little bit early this week. He's going to just join us for a couple of segments. So uh, continuing to dive deep, and, and Bob, I don't know, we, we'll have Pat on in future weeks. But they also picked up a commitment from a from alignment at, at uh, IMG down in, in Bradenton. And uh, what was significant there? Hey, anytime you sign alignment at this point, well, they haven't signed, but they got a commitment. Uh, that's good news for Florida State. And then then we'll just see how that pans out. But can you add anything else uh, on that front?
2: Yeah, Alou Baugh is is one of the great things. Is not only playing good competition down at Bradenton IMG Academy. His offensive line coach is Trey Thomas, who we all know as a guy who played at Florida State, played in the NFL. If and, and this is the great thing about the IMG staff, there are a ton of NFL guys on that staff, and they prepare you for college and for the NFL. Um, you know, looking at at Ba's film and and you know Patrick Burnham. Mark Salva, Charles Fishbine. our guys have looked through it. They've been really impressed. And, and one of the big things is he is slimming down. He has realized that his weight has to come down to a level that gets him ready to play at, at a better fitness level to, to take on sustained reps and snaps. So a lot of what you're seeing on film is, is from prior years, from his junior year. I think we'll see a better version of Ba. Um, you know, this, this senior year coming up in the fall, you know, very curious to how he looks also in the spring game when IMG plays that. But, but this is a, a guy who I think there's some question, is he a guard, is he a tackle? He's a good take for Florida State, for where Florida State is right now. He's a guy that you want to have in this 2022 class, regardless of if he truly ends up as a guard or tackle down the road.
0: There's a lot of other uh, positive news to talk about on the Florida State front, and we'll do that uh, as the show moves on, but I'd be remiss to not congratulate the soccer team for being in the College Cup. Uh, the baseball team is playing as we speak, but won a big series at Notre Dame. We'll, we'll get to that later on. Women's tennis is into the Sweet 16. Women's golf doing well in the regionals. Men's golf getting set to host them, and by the way, we'll we'll talk with Trey Jones next segment, but as long as we're on football right now, Bob, the last thing is these youth camps that Mike Norvell and and staff are doing around the state have really generated a lot of buzz. And if nothing else, goodwill in the community, even if it's not among FSU fans, it's just among parents or kids who are appreciative of the opportunity.
2: I think, I think the timing couldn't be better. You know, it's a, it's free. It's good for parents to find free outdoor activities for their kids. And as we're more comfortable in the COVID era, you know, going outside and, and doing things It's really fun, and it's it's not just Norvell. It's the entire assistant coaches. You know, Randy Shannon's out there. The support staff is out there. They're all allowed by NCAA rule. These are second through eighth graders. These are not considered, um, you know, recruiting prospects in their high school years. So you can do this. This is a really, really great thing, I think, for just kids and parents. But but there have been uh, we can we can tell. There's so many alumni that are are there. You know, fans wanting to see the coaches interact with kids. There are former players who are showing up and wanting to be supportive, wanting to speak, wanting to tell their story, wanting to meet Coach Norvell. Maybe they met on Zoom, but it's their meeting for the first time and reconnecting. So in that regard, too, you're, you're bringing former players back into the fold and saying, hey, maybe this fall, you know, come back to Tallahassee and see us, whether you're in the NFL, come back on a bye week. If, if you're retired come back whenever. We'd love to have you speak to us. I think Norvell has a very much an open door that, that is is going to be welcome as he grows this program.
0: I think it, it's really been a smart move and the fact that they brought the whole staff, it wasn't like a, a couple of guys you don't know who they are out running camps. Really, really, really impressive and a good deal all around. We're talking with Bob Ferrante. Trey Jones will join me next and then we'll continue this conversation with Bob about uh, other happenings in Florida State Athletics. I do want to Point out that uh, Front Row Knowles is brought your way in part by the Golf Club at Summerbrook. You can call them at 894 4653. Inquire about a golf membership. They've got a lighted driving range, Friday night lights every Friday. This Friday, as a matter of fact, they got happy hour, live music, drink and food specials. Full club membership also includes use of the resort style pool. That's the Golf Club at Summerbrook, 894 4653. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, continue the golf conversation with men's golf coach Trey Jones right after this. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, Tom Block. With you really pleased that uh, men's golf coach and the director of the golf programs at Florida State University, Trey Jones, has taken a few minutes to join us. He is uh, literally, as we're chatting, uh, walking the course, which you may do uh, on a daily basis anyway, since it's the home course for your team, Trey. But I imagine when the NCAA regionals are in town the next week, you probably are are keeping an even closer eye on what everything looks like. How's it look out there?
3: It it, it, it looks good. Comparable... uh... Uh, the, the work that the people have uh, done out here, Matt Murphy, the superintendent, uh, has done an amazing job. And uh, by the time we get here and the teams are allowed to come out on Sunday, uh, I think this will be uh, will be something we're all proud of. I'm sure. of that.
0: We'll talk a lot about the NCAA regionals, but just from an overall perspective, I, I feel like and this might be me, but just the way that we've we've been in this covid world for a year, really, this. This Legacy Course or Legacy Club opened last year, what, a week or two before the world shut down for COVID? So I'm I'm curious what the returns have been in terms of just uh, how the course has played, how membership has gone, the feedback. I mean, just your general thoughts as you're a year into enjoying this new home for Florida State golf.
3: So I I think it was um, could not have been a better timing because a a lot of people needed things to do and we're looking for things to do and the game of golf benefited from that. Uh, amazing. I think we have over uh, 600 members, uh, at one point in time. So that was, uh, that's something that, uh, uh we're glad it was perceived that well, uh, with our donors, our, our out of town members, and then obviously the community and faculty and students as well. So, um, that's been good. It's been getting a lot of play, probably a little bit more than, uh, you'd want on it on a new golf course this young but uh anyway people are being able to enjoy it and that, that was the ultimate goal
0: well that's good yeah golf certainly uh one of the things that uh, over the last year benefited from the way our world changed uh, you know i think the course is going to play uh, for next week anyway what at just over seventy five hundred yards i mean kind of give us a layout or a description for those who haven't been out there yet of of how this thing will lay out next week so the, the golf course
3: has um two completely different nines in, in that regard. The, the front nine is one that i would say is a little more scorable um and then the once you get to the ninth tee it's just a lot of length and, and a lot of hard golf course so uh, when, when you see teams out there that start out really hot and don't finish very well then that's to be expected um, our last three holes here are par fours and they go four four ninety 490, 465, 495. Um, so they're almost uh, maybe par fives if you play, but it's, uh, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, that's, that's for sure. And that's what we want. We want it to separate. And And when we're talking about our team and the benefits for our golf team and, you know, for a year in preparation is we want to be able to have a facility that Uh, when we send our team out to play it then we know who it'll identify our top players and we'll know who we're traveling with and then it'll better prepare them for anything that we see on the road and we're fortunate that the Nicholas companies have uh, definitely provided that for us.
0: That was literally my next question Trey because on the one hand I mean it has to be an advantage that you're playing your home course if you will because your team is familiar with it but even when you're going out wherever you're playing, uh, it's almost, and you, you know I, I can think of the football guys talking about how practice was harder, the games were easy, and I'm not suggesting golf is ever easy, but, but, but is, it provi- is, it, is it such a difficult caliber course that, that really when you get to whatever course you're playing a tournament at, that you do feel like you're in better shape?
3: Well, we're definitely in better shape than we were before. I mean, to tell you, it's the hardest thing we see all year would be that would not be true. We, we see some really difficult golf courses. We go to, to, you know, to, to Muirfield village to play in the tournament, uh, the Jack Nicklaus, which is a top 15 course in the country. We go to, um, Calusa pines, the uh, Floridians, we got a lot of hard golf courses, but this one on a daily basis gives us those shots, gives us those looks. And, you know, I think the benefit we, we've obviously got talented golfers, but, uh, I don't think it's a surprise that, uh, you have two golf teams ranked in the top 10 in the country now. And that's uh, two teams that finished second in the ACC. uh, Us narrowly missing, losing a playoff has to be something that uh, the preparationist has has to help. And don't want to be long-winded, but I I remember sitting at a lunch table with Terrell Buckley uh, and Lawrence Dossie. And they both told me that uh, the hardest thing they did was Monday through Friday. That uh, Lawrence Dossie said, I never had a defensive back cover me on Saturday like like T-Buck did during the week I always felt like I was wide open so a little bit of inspiration from our past Seminoles there.
0: Yeah and that's the analogy I was thinking about when I mentioned that Uh, you mentioned you have individually talented golfers I mean that's not new you've done such a tremendous job during your tenure at FSU but John Pock may be at the top of the list now I guess we'll have to let his professional career play out but he's the the nation's top-ranked collegiate golfer. He's tied the FSU record for most individual wins with Nolan Hankey, and really, you know, he did it missing three-quarters of, of last year because of COVID. Just just sum up, John, we've had him on the show before, but, uh, you know, your impressions now that you've coached him for just about his full career with a little bit of time left.
3: Well, uh, that, that little bit of time left makes me sad, Tom. <laughs> so, it's, uh, he, he is – he loves golf. And and uh, I get asked a lot, what is the one attribute that, that Brooks Koepka, Daniel Berger, Jonas Flicks, uh, Hank Leviota, Chase Seifert, our tour players have? And it's their love for the game and love for something they do, whether it's competing or whatever. And and John just loves being here. Here's a guy that just went through a grueling week with the Walker Cup, got food, got uh, a virus down there where he was one of the the more ill players late, placed. 36 holes on Saturday or 36 holes on uh, Sunday, 18 on Saturday. And he's here at practice yesterday and here at to practice today. And we're trying to give him time off and he doesn't want to take it, but it's, he just doesn't know what else he'd like to do. So uh, John's love for the game. And obviously his, is, you know, his scoring and what he's done and all the records that he's setting is, it's something that we're, we're, we're definitely going to miss. And uh, I, I I don't want to think about that right now. I mean, we, but uh, he's uh, he's been really special, obviously.
0: Well, you know, technically he could come back for another year, so we can work on that conversation if you want, right? But uh, you know, he was the he was the freshman of the year a couple of years ago. He's the ACC Player of the Year. It's a pretty short list from Florida State, I think, that have that have done that. Uh, so clearly, he's an elite company um i should point out by the way just to deviate real quick that that uh the women's team also has the acc player of the year and beatrice wallen and that at the beatrice wallen and that's that's pretty rare i think in acc history is it not
3: that is rare absolutely I, I i forgot what steve stone told me the uh the time when that happened was but uh uh to have two of those i'm thinking it was 2006 or something like that but uh what a uh great testament to Beatrice. she's she, she's awesome she's she might be the only person I met that actually is happier than John on the golf course. Her nickname is Smiley. Uh so uh what an awesome player and um, uh she's she's definitely well deserving everything. And uh she's uh in the process right now of of, of carrying her team through the regional in Louisville and uh, then they'll be headed out to uh Scottsdale uh after they uh, finish this thing off.
0: Yeah, and as we're talking, and this is midday, they uh they continue to lead the regional in Louisville, they're up uh six shots right now, but uh, haven't made the turn. And uh, so hopefully they they are on to the Nationals. I would think they would be. Coach, I don't, I don't want to draw conclusions here because I don't know either of these golfers personally, but you just referenced that they're happy on the golf course. And it's such a grueling, mentally demanding sport. I'm wondering how much that demeanor, in your opinion, contributes to their success. It's
3: like anything in life, Tom. I mean, we've all had challenges before, and we've all, but if we enjoyed it, if it was a labor of love, um, you know, so how many times throughout the day have we looked up and and it's in the end of the day already and we go, man, this day flew by. Uh it was because we were doing something we loved and we had a passion for. So it definitely is once uh and then when you're working with them and they're doing stuff, it's uh, it's never my plan, it's their plan. It's their life. And and when they take ownership in it, uh, great things happen. But you're you're exactly right that 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 that's a, that's a mental talent that both of them have. And uh, I think it's from great parenting and um, the people who got them here before us. And then I think the culture that we've been able to put them in while they're here is only uh, allowed that
0: to increase. We're talking with Trey Jones from the Florida state golf team and said coach director of golf coach, your, your team, as I look at it, well, first of all, you're number two in the country right now. I mean, it's been a great year. I know this, maybe this is your most talented bunch, Uh, It looks like you've been pretty rock steady at the first three spots because you've, you've also got Vincent Norman and Brett Roberts as all ACC selections along with John Pock. Is it a matter of how consistent or or what kind of play can you get out of the four and five spots that ultimately will determine how far this team can go?
3: You're you're exactly right. We're not going you know, we call this super years because of the COVID teams and the uh, players coming back. There's some 24 year olds playing college golf at Oklahoma and other places. And, Um, everyone's got great players, but you're not going to do a whole lot with three players. You're going to need five guys, uh, from this point forward. And, um, we've, we haven't played as well as we've needed to in those four and five position, uh, lately, because when you don't play well in those positions, you're putting a lot of pressure on those top three and as, as, as solid as they've been. Golf's game, where even the top players, Brooks doesn't play well every week. Daniel doesn't play well every week. So, um, our, our bad needs to get a little better uh, in that regard. And uh, this, they're they're talented enough. That they're working hard. They're doing all the right things. Um, I think it's just going to take some confidence and some execution coming down coming down the stretch.
0: Well, one of the reasons there's been some inconsistency there is I know that, you know, you had an All-American a year ago and Jamie Lee, who I guess he's been battling back issues this year and hasn't been the the same guy. Is, is, is that accurate? Is he in position to help you down the stretch or it's just going to take more time for him to get back to where he was?
3: Yeah, you know, once again, Jamie struggled this year with some injuries early on and uh, tried to make some swing changes. And with that you never know how that's going to go once again you, you saw it happen to Rory McIlroy when he chased distance you know he started missing every cut and uh, when you lose that confidence and lose that momentum it's, it's really hard to get it back so um we, we we're not uh, planning on uh Jamie being uh, in the group going forward th- this year and I think uh, a little bit of that's the talents of, of the younger players as well that, that have done really done a good job so unfortunately he's he's uh He's a great seminal and and played really well. Like I said, returning All American and uh, just uh,
0: sometimes the golf game's not where you want it to be. the The way the ACCs finished up, well, that kind of a two prong question, and I don't know if it's consolation uh, or not because you know you got into to match play and you were in sudden death and and fell to Clemson in the ACC championship match. But then when you look at the conference as a whole, I think there's 10 teams that got bids, which for a, for a strong golf conference to begin with, this might be the best, deepest ACC field there's ever been. So I, I guess I'm curious, that latter point, do you agree with that? And, and to my former point, how much does that stick in your craw motivate you, uh, you know, when you guys get out to the range and out on the course every day?
3: Well, we probably had the best week and a half of practice that we've had all year uh, after that event. Um, I. I well, I well, I tell people I'm a little surprised. Um, I feel wrong, but in golf you don't win much, and we well, get good at losing, or sometimes. And uh, this crushed them. I mean, it really did. This was that was one that that they felt like that they had it, they had it where they wanted it, and just you know just got outplayed at the end. And then to lose in a three-hole playoff like that to watch it happen, guy uh, yeah, makes a 25-foot putt. Uh, you know, you know, a kick here, a kick there and and we win, but uh, it just, um, it it really affected them and uh, it it has motivated us for sure. But you're right about the ACC. I mean, we were ranked two and Clemson was three and uh, Wake Forest was five and I believe Chapel Hill was six. So, and uh, NC state was inside the top 10. So we had half the teams in the top 10, in our own league. So we, we knew going in, that was going to be a, a kind of a deal of whoever gets hot with the putter. And we never really did until match play. And, uh, you know, we, our, our freshman out went out the final match and, and got us two points early. And we're sitting back there with three seniors and needed one point. And uh, unfortunately the team we were playing was extremely talented and uh, we just, uh, they didn't, they didn't give us anything. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully, work on that. And, uh, at the end of the year, that, that won't be something we're looking back on.
0: Well, hopefully that week and a half of, you know, that best week and a half of practice carries over for these next couple of weeks. What should fans know about the NCAA regionals that you're hosting here, uh, Monday through Wednesday, uh, in in terms of their opportunities to see some of the top golfers, not just on your team, but in the country.
3: So it's, it's, um,
0: obviously an NCAA
3: tournament, so it's not a Florida state event. So, Um, it's not like going to the Tucker center and watching, if if you guys remember going to baseball, you know, the baseball team actually could not even be the home team, uh, for the entire series. Um, so when that's, with that being said, um, we're just another participant in it just happens to be here. Um, anyone can come out and walk and it's free. Uh, there's no golf carts allowed. We don't, coaches don't even get golf carts, uh, for this event. So, um, and we hope to do, we need, we need some Seminoles out here, we really do, we, when we, we felt like at Georgia Tech coming down the stretch, we were, and up in Atlanta for the ACC tournament, we were, you know, we had all the Georgia Tech guys, and we're looking around going, well, we hope we have this at our place, so uh, anybody who likes college golf, or golf in general, will love walking the fairways with these guys, and, and watching them, and how personable they are, and and these are the guys that are on the PGA Tour, I promise you. And it's not just, it's not just our team. Georgia has three All-Americans on their team. Uh, this Liberty team is old and really talented. They're the three seed. Uh, then you got LSU out of the SEC as a four seed coming straight across I-10 with um, a couple Florida kids in our lineup that are really, really good. And uh, they're deep. Um, and then in the uh, uh, five spot, we got Georgia Tech, who you know we've played them twice in the last two tournaments. And uh, we're one and one with them. And tied shots after six rounds, so they're they're really playing well. And then behind that, Southern Cal's coming in, and a good Indiana team. And so you're gonna you're definitely gonna see probably I'd guess you, would you know, probably five to ten tour players will be uh, walking around out here this week.
0: Yeah, and that's Monday to Wednesday. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to have some some good home support. Trey, I'll let you go on this. Is this I don't know if you view it as an audition, but is the ultimate goal to host an NCAA championship? At the, at the new course?
3: Absolutely. The uh, uh, Jack said it in the first said it in the first press conference. He said, uh, we're going to build a golf course that we hope that the NCAA asked to come here and play. And I think once everybody sees it this week, uh, that's just going to be one more step in that direction. And I know that the staff from Florida State with our facilities and Stuart Pierce, are, they're going to do an amazing job. And uh, we've already got another regional coming back uh, but um, it's uh in, in uh, 24 but uh uh that's definitely something we actually want to we want to host special events out here as well we we have the golf course that uh that we'd like to get a champions tour event and then uh, some other stuff along those lines
0: Trey, I appreciate the time. I'll let you get back to walking the course. Make sure it's in pristine shape for uh, for Sunday when the teams get out there and Monday when the tournament starts. Best of luck to you. Congrats on the success thus far, uh, not just this season, but during your, your lengthy tenure at FSU. It's been fun to watch your team continue to grow.
3: Perfect, Tom, and I got to do this. Uh, tune in to SiriusXM tonight at 9. Jeff and I will be talking about uh, all the regional sites on BJ PGA Tour Station 92.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned Jeff. We'll give him a little love, too. No, you got to do a great job on that, too. And I know you guys have gotten to be good friends over the years. Uh, so, so good luck. Thanks for a few minutes of your time today, Trey. Thanks, Tom. Trey Jones, men's golf coach, director of golf at Florida State. We'll take a break, come back with more front row Knowles right after this. Let's go.
1: Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, thanks as always for joining us. Tom Block and uh, Bob Ferrante will stay with us uh, again, or rejoin us I should say, our Osceola insider again, Keith Uh, uh, tied up this week with jury duty. He'll be back soon. Bob, uh, you know, Trey Jones, it's crazy the way the time flies, because in my mind, I still want to feel like he hasn't been here that long. And then when I look at it, whether it's him or well, certainly coach Sue, but Dwayne Holtquist, these coaches, the years just stack up and he's, he's two decades in now and he's just done a remarkable job with the FSU golf
2: program. It's impressive when you look back on it, the longevity of all the coaches across all the sports. I mean, yes, football's had turnover, but men's and women's basketball, all the Olympic sports, they've been able to retain all these coaches and, and, and they've all done exceptional jobs at, at developing student-athletes graduating at a high level. It's why Florida State's in the top 10 in the Director's Cup. Um, and, and yeah, Trey Jones has, as he's told us, he's got a Mercedes there with the new Seminole Legacy golf course, and they'll be showing it off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday when they have the regional it's, um, it's really going to be something fun to watch, I think, and, and get some feedback from not just Florida State golfers, but golfers all over the country at, you know, how good is this course? How challenging is it? How fun is it to play? And I think that will only help to sell this course to, to the community of golfers who want to play it, but also to recruits down the road who say, this is Florida State. This is where I can play golf every day. This is an incredible opportunity for me to challenge me. Big opportunity this weekend when they, uh, well, Monday through Wednesday, as we just talked about with Trey,
0: and uh, good luck to he and the men's golf team. You mentioned the Director's Cup, and uh, that sort of fits when you look at what's going on in Florida State Athletics. So the beach volleyball team, though they didn't get the result they wanted, they finished in the final rankings number five in the country. And, you know, really, they lost to LSU after beating them four times this year. So I think you could, you could make the case that they're certainly the best team on the East Coast or east of, east of California, really, when you look at who the top three were, USC won it. The women's golf, uh, not women's golf, well, women's golf is, is likely going to win the regionals. They're playing right now. Women's tennis is into the Sweet 16. Despite all of the, the revenue and budget concerns at Florida State, uh, it's, it's been impressive that these programs continue to shine.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, we knew this was going to be a fun spring. We knew March, April, May, and May is never this busy. I think May, this has been the busiest one that I can remember in, in decades. And, and part of it is soccer has, has taken, you know, place in this month where it traditionally would not. And, of course, Ford State making the run of the College Cup. It, it, it's been fun to watch that. Um, I think it, it starts with, you know, retaining the head coaches. I think historically, you're going to lose assistant coaches just because they're seeking good jobs, but also because other conferences are going to be paying better. The SEC can afford to pay assistant coaches a number that, you know, Forestate State probably can't match. If you have one concern economically, it's probably about losing a good assistant down the road, but Forestate has kept its coaches very happy. The upgrades and facilities have been significant. The softball shade structure has been... Just a welcome addition, I think, for the fans and the program is so proud to have it. The batting cages, all those things, the investment in the golf, um, the golf course and having Jack and Jackie Nicholas be the designers to have their names on it is an extra, I think, special kind of feather in your cap. And their connection with Florida State, you know, obviously goes back to to Steve Nicholas in the 80s and, of course, Nick O'Leary and others. So they're very well connected to the university. And it was it was a special project for them. I, I think that's that's the future too, though, is continue to find those investments, not just in football, but basketball, baseball, other sports that that fans and, and donors and alumni are, are passionate about, that they want to put their money into those projects for the long-term future of of all of Florida State's programs.
0: Talk with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferranti. Uh, we'll get to, to soccer in a minute, Bob, but we haven't touched on baseball yet, and I know baseball's... As we're talking, they're in the midst of a, you know, finishing game one and getting ready for game two if the weather holds up against Florida Gulf Coast. But regardless of how that goes, I feel like we know what this team is, Bob. We've seen enough of it. They can, they can pitch when they, uh, when they pitch and they back it up with some, some timely hitting, they can beat anybody. Notre Dame hadn't lost a series all year and they lost one last year. I mean, last weekend to FSU. Uh, You know, we're going to find out if FSU is in contention to host a regional probably by the end of this week. I'm kind of torn on whether I really, you know, obviously meeting them are going to say they want to host, you know, and it does give you an advantage, I think, to to move on to the next round. But if, if the ultimate goal is to win it all in Omaha, to me, if you can win on the road in the regionals and the supers, you you got a better chance out there. I guess what I honestly, regardless of where you can play in the Walmart parking lot to use an expression here on the football side, if, if they get some timely hitting, they can compete with anybody. I guess that's the cliff notes on what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I've, I've felt all year long. You show up at the ballpark because you know the quality of pitching is, is something that we haven't seen at Florida State in, in years. Perhaps I'd have to go back looking to find ERAs this low, to find power arms that are truly overwhelming hitters and not just kind of working the corners and nibbling here and there. That's kind of been the typical Florida State uh, type of thing. But but historically, have these power arms and, and this many guys who can do it. It's pretty impressive. They have played their best baseball away from Hauser. And and that's, I think, the argument for, hey, if they're a number two seed at an SEC site, you don't really worry because you think that pitching will travel. If you're saying, hey, just selfishly, yeah, you want them at home. You want to be able to sleep in your own bed, control a lot of the variables, play at Hauser, have the animals and all the fans on your side. There are a lot of advantages in the postseason with the intensity ramped up, Um, you know, for those of you who check out some of these projections, I think they're always neat to kind of see what, what shifts week to week. D1Baseball.com is Florida State is the number 16 national seed now, which is the last one, the last of the 16. They have them hosting teams like Charlotte, Georgia, and South Alabama. That's frankly the kind of regional that you feel like Florida State can win and move on to a super. So just kind of an indication of how, People are viewing Florida State right now. Winning two out of three at Notre Dame was really huge for their resume. We just have to see if the selection committee agrees when they make those announcements later in the week. I think you hit the key point, Bob. If you're hosting, you're going to
0: be the one seed, which means the bullseye on your back. And they have played better on the road. And if you go on the road, you're the two seed. And in college baseball, you know, afterthought is too strong, but you're not the one that's getting crushed by the local media. People aren't paying attention to you as much. And you can just kind of go in and play. I mean, they've got four series victories over ranked teams this year on the road. I mean, I'm not sure that's not the better place to go for this team.
2: Hey, I can't argue it. The, the only When you look at it from a strategy standpoint, if you're the one at home, you want to be playing a four in that Friday night game and maybe you can throw your, your number two or your number three pitcher. So then that would give you say Parker Messick on a, a Saturday with a chance to go into the winner's bracket, um, you know, two and zero. you can look at it a lot of different ways. I think again, where the optimism comes in is you've got this wealth of pitching and it extends beyond your, your three weekend guys, Jack Anderson would be a starter on a lot of teams. And this is a guy who, He's basically been a kind of jack of all trades, no pun intended. He's he's worked in middle relief. He's kind of filled in here and there, but he's been really, really effective, high strikeout to walk ratio. And they've got some young arms, they got some veterans in the bullpen. So it feels like if you go three or four games into a weekend, your your bullpen is gonna be taxed, but you've got the options. You've got the kind of righty lefty types who can who you can play the matchups and just see how it unfolds. It's why you have optimism. Now you look at the lineup and you say, well, is there enough depth? You know, one through maybe say eight or nine. No, it's really not there. But if you have a guy like Nico Baldor who steps up every now and then or a couple of spot spot, spot starter fill-in guys, it can happen. Um, We'll see. That's that's clearly going to be a question mark. It's what we're all going to be watching, though, in the postseason. All right, so we'll stop the baseball conversation there. Again, as we're recording,
0: uh, well, A, storms are moving through Tallahassee, and we'll see what happens with FSU's baseball games against Florida Gulf Coast today. Let's get to soccer, and apologies. We just had Mark Krikorian on the show a couple weeks ago, and we've, we've buried the lead here that they're in the College Cup again, but we, we take it for granted. Uh, I did chuckle, Bob. I don't know who wrote it, but one of the headlines was, Florida State makes the College Cup for the first time since 2018. And I'm thinking, well, we didn't have a tournament in 2020. So that means they're one for their last two. They missed in 2019, and here they are again in 2021. But the point is, I mean, you can just kind of book it, and it's, it's heavy ACC flavor with three ACC teams. And uh, this is a really good team. Now, they were challenged, and this is a lot of teams play FSU the way Duke did the other day. They just put all 10 of their players uh, in the Florida State attacking third so that it was basically impossible to get many quality shots on goal, although FSU actually had several quality shots and just missed, but they ended up prevailing in PKs the other day.
2: Yeah, it was funny. I asked Jalen Howell about that the other day. She's one of their star midfielders and has played a little bit on the U.S. women's national team. I said, you've faced a lot of challenges in this NCAA tournament. You know, Milwaukee tried to play back and of course didn't work. Penn State scored the early first half goal. Of course, they had not trailed in 2020 at all. You had to face some adversity there early on. And then Duke Duke clearly didn't even want to advance the ball offensively they were so cautious and almost wanting to push the game to the, the roll of the dice, which are penalty kicks. And, and for Florida state, what's also amazing is you have a freshman goalkeeper in Christina Roque and just steps out there. And the first penalty kick she sees, she stops it. So immediately Florida state feels like they've got the edge because they're not only kicking second, they are kicking with kind of the the, the ace in your back pocket of, of having that early block. So Four states face these challenges. And the other thing that's a real huge positive is the Seminoles played a fall season, whereas a lot of leagues decided we can't play in the fall. We're going to go winter only. Seminoles played in the fall against the ACC, played in the spring against some women's uh, professional teams, a couple men's teams, played an exhibition against Florida. If you think about being as battle tested mentally and physically, Mark recording the staff playing this one out about as perfectly as possible to get them to the College Cup and have them in this position to, to potentially win it.
0: Yeah, now you got two more games to go. Tomorrow night they play at 630 against Virginia. Virginia, let me see if you think this is fair, Bob. So for years, really like FSU's first, I don't know, 20-something years in the league, they never beat Virginia. So the series is heavily lopsided in favor of Virginia. But since 2011 or 2012, it's more like, Eight to five FSU or something like that. But I feel like in the last couple of years, uh, while FSU has kind of had the upper hand against North Carolina, Virginia has had the upper hand against FSU, even though Florida State did beat them in the 2020 fall season. So for whatever reason, Virginia's coach and style seems like they give Florida State fits at times.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with Virginia. It was a 4 3 game back in October where we're forced at one up there. I think weather might have been a little bit of an issue, but you know the the familiarity factor is there because there are you know three ACC teams in the College Cup. Truly, could have been four if Clemson had knocked off Santa Clara. It could have been an all ACC Final Four. But but State has already seen this in in Duke. And one of the things Jalen Howell said when I asked her about it is how much did how much did Duke change from the fall to Sunday, and then how much do you think Virginia changes? from the fall to this this game coming up on Thursday, she felt like Duke, a little bit of personnel change, but a lot of strategy change as far as how they were playing back and maybe more cautious offensively. Um, So we are seeing, you know, teams are changing things. It's not just, well, we saw you five, six months ago, you're the same thing. It's coaches are really digging deep and trying to throw enough of a curveball at Florida State just to throw them off enough. Again, I think Florida State's advantage is they played from behind. They've had to battle through against Duke and get through penalty kicks. They've kind of seen enough adversity already to maybe be as prepared as possible for just about whatever you're going to see. That's that's pretty huge this time of year.
0: You know, it's funny in my mind. I mean, Krikorian already has two titles at FSU, and he won two at Franklin Pierce, I think, before he got here, lower level. Yeah, the difference between three and two feels substantial to me if you can get there. You know what I mean? I I don't know if it's, uh, I mean, he wouldn't be at the Saban level. But when you look at Saban, he's still like head and shoulders above the rest. And then you've got some guys that have two, right? Uh, And so it feels like, now I know he's never going to catch North Carolina when Anson Dorrance did. But it feels like the third one would be really significant. And to do it, they would be the first one to go unbeaten in, I don't know, about a decade or 12 years in women's soccer.
2: And it would be three titles inside of a decade because you're looking at 2014, 2018, and now whatever you want to call this one, 2020 or 21. Um, you know, again, I, I, I was someone who saw this Florida State soccer program, I think, unfold from about 1995 or so. So you have to really think about how far this program came through various coaches. Um, you know, when Patrick Baker left, a lot of people were curious, where was the program going to go who do you hire? And then Mark Ricorian steps in and he's, he's elevated the program to, you know, again, as I've said, North Carolina was the bar. He always said North Carolina was the bar. And I think they've they've shown that they're in many respects better than North Carolina on a lot of days head to head. And in some ways, you know, recent titles that that's been evident, too.
0: Ironically, uh, as we finish up, Bob, should they win, they're likely to play North Carolina, who will have the decided uh, home fan edge, if you will, in the championship, which I think would be Monday. Uh, Bob, I appreciate you, uh, again, pinch hitting for KJ. He'll be back uh, soon. I think we ran the gamut on Florida State sports there. It's definitely a a busier May that we haven't – you know what what sport we've not given any love to is track. And, oh, by the way, men's track and field is in the top five. Uh, And they've – you know, they're going to compete on the national stage too. And the women are pretty good as well.
2: Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because it almost feels like you, you we talk a little bit about a couple sports, we write a little bit about a few sports, and we're, we're bound to forget or overlook one that's doing really well or two that are doing really, really well. And and that's just the nature of, of this spring. We, we knew it was going to be busy, knew it was going to be fun, and and it's, it's good to see track and field. Um, I, I know there were some lean years there, I think, on the men's side, but, but really there's a lot of talented sprinters there, and it would be fun to see how they – you know, they're on the track in the, uh, in the coming weeks.
0: Sounds good. Uh, For more with Bob and the Osceola staff, go ahead and subscribe to the Osceola. We will catch up again next week. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. All right. And we'll wrap up front row NOLS right after this.
1: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, folks. We have solved, uh, well, I don't know if our listenership knew it was a mystery, but Keith Jones. I thought you were going into jury duty earlier this week, Keith, but then I never heard anything back, and it's very unlike you to not be responsive. So I presumed as we went about our recording that you were in jury duty and that something bad had not happened. So please assure our listeners you are back in person and everything's okay.
4: Uh, All is well, uh, but you are correct. I was in jury duty. It began Monday, and uh, as we're taping this in the early hours of Wednesday afternoon, uh, although we were not sequestered, so I did not get to stay at uh, any of Tallahassee's fine hotels. Uh, we have been at it for two and a half days, plus or minus, but it is concluded. Uh, I am fine. Uh, the court system is fine. And uh, just remind our listeners that uh, I, I, this was explained to me. I didn't know, hadn't processed this, Tommy. Uh, a little bit of civics for you. Since we've done away with the compulsory draft for m- uh, military service, The only other time that the government can compel you to do anything is jury service. So it's the remaining draftable position that we all um, have to do. And candidly, my personal opinion, should do and should want to do. And I'm glad I've done it. uh, And I hope I don't have to do it again anytime soon.
0: Well, uh, good for you for doing your civic duty when we started the show. And uh, literally, folks, if you've known Keith, and I've known him a lot of years, if something is on the calendar for nine years from now, at 10 in the morning on a Tuesday, Keith will be there at 959 on that Tuesday without us touching base at all. So this week, when he didn't show up and we've been recording via Zoom, there had been one very brief email earlier in the week that indicated jury duty. not whether you'd been seated on a jury. I thought maybe you were, uh, you know, you you were, potentially getting seated but maybe you didn't answer the questions accordingly and they didn't want you on the jury anyway folks uh bob ferrante pinch hit on no notice so again thanks to bob and i was in the back of my mind hoping that that everything was okay with keith so i'm glad that it is kj (laughs) it is it is and i apologize if i didn't communicate enough uh the uh
4: trial was expected to be wrapped up uh tuesday afternoon evening and it went over and you know one of the things they do is they they make you turn your phones off when you're in the courthouse what in the world
0: I know, I know. That's what I need to do for my kids. when When they're awake, they need to have their phones off. That's pretty much the rule for them. Well, anyway, Keith, uh, the way we we've done this, we've we've covered all the uh, the items. You have about two minutes to opine on whatever of note uh, related to Florida State sports, preferably uh, is, is rattling in that brain. And you've 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 been distracted the last couple of days, so you haven't been paying close attention to it.
4: Not paying close attention, although I do know that baseball won two out of three from uh, Notre Dame. They got rained out last night. They're making that game up and playing a second one uh, at Hauser today. The soccer team advanced. Uh, The women, as of last night, I think were tied in their regional play. And what am I missing? I mean, it's 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 been it – continued to be a good weekend and early part of the week for Seminole Athletics.
0: Yeah, it has been. There's uh, recruits, we talked about that, getting an alignment in the transfer portal. Here's one thing Bob and I didn't discuss, Keith, and we, we can finish on this. Uh, as, as somebody who over the years – and I'm going to leave a lot of these out, but the, the basketball team, Keith, has played tournaments in places like Honolulu, Jamaica, New York City – You and I were together in Tucson one year for a lovely Thanksgiving. I'm sure I'm leaving out some other impressive locales, right? Well, word leaked yesterday by John Rothstein that Florida State is playing in the Jacksonville Classic this year, which isn't quite the same as Honolulu or Jamaica, but maybe there's parts of Jacksonville I haven't seen.
4: Well, based on other events of the day, maybe you can uh, have lunch with Tim Tebow
0: if you go over. Because he supposedly is going to be there. I just thought it was, uh, in all serious, you know, I I think Leonard, you know, when these tournaments started, they're exempt tournaments, so you get to play four games and they count as one on your schedule or however the math works. You know, he went went far west a couple times and then figured out, well, if they're going to put tournaments on our same time zone, it's a lot easier. But now they've even moved to like a two-hour bus ride instead of a three-hour flight. So... But uh, in all well, seriousness, those, I don't know the details uh, of it, but uh, supposedly that's that's the basketball non-conference tournament this year.
4: Well, the other part of it, too, that we've learned uh, through basketball is uh, when those tournaments were first started, it was all about the four-for-one. And in particular, if you had a preseason or a beginning of the year tournament, you could get some uh, you know, games quickly under your belt. What we've come to understand is those tournaments are very valuable for your out-of-conference RPI. And so one of the things that Stan Jones, who, who does most of the scheduling, obviously in consultation with Leonard, looks for is, is who's the competition, who else can we go up against, what style of play do they have, because we might need uh, more work against the zone as opposed to man-to-man and blah, blah, blah. And so it's not just a, uh, pick what you can and hope you get one. There's a lot of thought and effort that goes into it and uh, some negotiations, if you will, uh, relative to it.
0: Well, and the reported competition is Missouri, SMU and Loyola Marymount as I understand it. So more to come but that's apparently on the schedule for FSU. Keith, I'll tell you what. We'll do this again next week and I'm going to let you start the show and then when there's about 5 minutes left, you just give me a call and I'll finish it up from there, okay? Uh
4: I'll be happy to do that but uh, don't hold your breath over that 5 minutes if you don't show up. <laughs> Cuz you're you're the, you're the main most host. <laughs>
0: KJ, I appreciate you chiming in uh, late, and thanks for doing your civic duty. Thanks to Bob Frante for for going longer than usual today as well. Uh, He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next week, folks.